Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and the time has come. I've been talking about this for uh, at least a week or so. <laughs> uh, uh, Jonah Carey, welcome to the show. I, you know, I, uh, I realize I kind of just rushed right into that introduction, but I, I, you know, it's not that long of a segment, and you're writing for so many places. So <laughs> I'll just toss out there that people can find your work on CBS and uh, Sports Illustrated, but uh, where, where else can we find you? Uh, let's see, sportsnet.ca, I write lots of J stuff over there, I also write for The Athletic, which is a really cool startup in uh, Toronto, Chicago, Cleveland, and Detroit, and uh, yeah, those are the main places, Jonah Carey Podcast, with cbssports.com uh, as well. Very remiss to not mention your part podcast, so I'm glad that you did, Jonah, thank you, um, and, and again, uh, welcome to the show. Um, Glad to have you on at what I feel like is a, uh, a timely point. Uh, only thing that could be more timely is if we were going to talk about the White Sox or the Cubs. But uh, yeah. <laughs> wanted to talk Blue well, we Jays with you. <laughs> we could. We could. Uh, all right, well, you know, uh, do you, you have a, a kind of a, a quick uh, synopsis of, of uh, you know, what you think this means for, for those organizations and for Quintana in particular? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. And, and you're, you know, as an avid fantasy player, you know this. We always look at the larger sample, right? So people are going to say, well, Kitana's a whatever, 4-5 ADRA. That's ah, no good. He literally has 150 good starts under his belt, then seven bad, 11 bad ones at the beginning of the season, and now seven good ones. So we got 157 versus 11. I'm going to go with 157. You know, and, and really in the last seven starts, we've seen what he can do. The, problem, the big problem uh, as far as results went, he didn't have a drop on his curveball. He lost six inches of uh, vertical drop according to Brooks Baseball in the first 11 starts. That's mostly back. Strikeout rate is there. He's going to have a better defense behind him uh, with the Cubs than he did at the White Sox. I, he should be fine. You know, I, I expect him to have ERA around three, really good strikeout numbers, and really help that staff. And not for nothing, the Cubs rotation stinks. If you look, Tom Verducci wrote a great book about the Cubs called The Cubs' Way. You should totally read it. And the premise was the Cubs built their organization around hitting pillars, Rizzo, Bryant. They went out and got these young hitting superstars and said, we'll work it out with pitching. We'll either try to find a guy under a rock or we'll throw all the money in the world at a guy. Well, you know what? When you throw a lot of money in, at a 32-year-old, you run the risk of being wrong, and Lester can be good or terrible this year. And then when you try to guy, find a guy under a rock, sometimes start of the, some of their faults start to emerge, whether it's Hendricks, Arietta, some of these guys that were really great last year, they're not so great this year. So mm-hmm. that, that's sort of the issue they're dealing with. They needed Quintana. From the White Sox point of view, they had the worst, if not the worst, one of the top five, or bottom five farm systems on baseball, Literally a year or two ago, after trading Sale and Eaton and now Quintana, no question they're the best farm system in all baseball. Farm system doesn't necessarily win you World Series, but it gives you the foundation to do things. The Cubs tore everything down. They were terrible for a while. Then they won a World Series. The Astros tore everything down. My God, they were, like, historically terrible, like, unimaginably terrible. They might be the favorites to win the World Series this year, and if they don't this year, they're going to have a window of, I don't know, half a decade where they can get it done. That's where the White Sox want to get to. Maybe that's starting in... 2021 or whatever, that we begin to see their potential. But that's the goal here. You get as many good young players as you can in the hopes that they kind of coalesce at the same time and become an interesting and dangerous team. Yeah, well, they're certainly getting there. And I'm glad you brought up the issue of defense because uh, I broke down the Quintana deal earlier in the show and talked about going to the NL and, and the park factor and run support. That was one thing I didn't touch upon. And, and it was something I thought about earlier today after the trade that uh, the Cubs defense, I, I think it probably is a, an upgrade, but 
uh, it'd be nice if they could get back to where they were last year because Javier Baez, at least in terms of the metrics, hasn't been as good this year. And I think they've missed yep. missed Dexter Fowler. So, um, you know, that, that that's kind of a, an interesting X factor, too, for uh, mm-hmm. for Quintana's value, I think. And then for the rest of the rotation, uh, as, as far as that goes. But let's, uh, well, let's Hayward, get to... Hayward, Hayward was hurt yeah. as well. So, I mean, yeah, the Cubs, the Cubs are still better defense than the White Cubs are. But last year they were historically dominant. This, this year they're just kind of good. So, yeah. Right, right, exactly. So that'll that'll work for Katana. Um, mm-hmm. well, I do want to get to the Blue Jays, and there's a number of good storylines here. Um, <laughs> not sure we'll get to get to all of them, but I, you know, I want to talk a little bit first about the trade market to kind of stay on this topic. Um, it it seems like the Blue Jays aren't really that close. I mean, in the standings they're not that far out of it, but uh, I mean, neither the offense nor the pitching looks that great. Uh, do you think there's any chance they're buyers? So it's complicated with the Blue Jays. One of the places that I read for is The Athletic. I just wrote a piece that came out today. It was a, about an hour conversation with Ross Atkins, the general manager. Very candid stuff. The kind of stuff that if you were a Jays fan arguing in a bar, you'd be like, think they should trade Donaldson? I don't know, man. So I just asked him those questions, and he answered them to his credit. And he said, you know, they're not going to tear it down. They're not going to trade Donaldson. They're not going to trade Stroman and Sanchez or Osuna. Those guys are all standing pat, standing pat, whatever. They might trade some of the pitchers that are coming up on uh, – you know, service time issues, Liriano's a free agent coming up, Estrada, half after next year, you can see things like that. But the most likely scenario, you know, because they're sort of around the fringes of the race, but not really, is to try to upgrade where they have the biggest hole. And the biggest hole in the roster is at second base. Devin Travis might be out for the entire season. We've now got a fair bit of evidence that he might be injury prone. And they really could use a solution that goes beyond this year. You know, the Jays are in this weird spot. They have the oldest group of position players in all of baseball. But they also have the highest attendance in all of baseball. They have fans who are very sensitive to this stuff. And if you start to blow things up, you know, then it could be a disaster. The Jays were out in the wilderness for 20 years. They didn't make the playoffs. Nobody came to the stadium. No agents were signing in Toronto. You don't want to torpedo all your momentum that you got from 15 and 16. So what was Atkins suggested was the idea of going out and getting a guy, you know, who could not necessarily a prospect, but it could be a major leaguer who might have a year and a half controllable time or two and a half or whatever. So when you hear a name like D. Gordon come up, it makes total sense because Gordon is relatively young. He's controllable for a couple of years. He's not a superstar, so it wouldn't cost you as much as some other guys, but he fills the biggest hole on the team. And they wouldn't have to trade Vlad Jr. or Bo Bichette or something like that to get it. That's the kind of ideal situation for them. And the mo- what I could see as most likely uh, is that something like that happens. Not for nothing, by the way, but if you're in an NL-only fantasy league and you own D. Gordon, not the worst idea to, to see what the market is for him because that's a, that's a player I could definitely see getting traded one way or another uh, to another team. Yeah, no, it make, the match makes a whole lot of sense for both teams. The thing I worry about from the Marlins' perspective is if um, Bichette and, and Vlad Jr. are off the board, uh, I, I just think there's a very big drop-off to the next tier of prospects, and I'm, I don't know if it would make it worth their while or if they could get a better deal elsewhere. But right, uh, exactly. yeah, I suppose we'll see how that, that all plays out. Um, Marcus Stroman is somebody that I feel like I, I'm – kind of on an island about in terms of fantasy value. He's had some strange uh, reverse splits this year. And I'm not sure, you know, what your feelings are about that. I know people in the industry who are very um, skeptical about, uh, you know, reverse splits in general. Um, But I just think that Stroman, you know, if he's not getting, uh, you know, lots of ground balls, that he he could be kind of vulnerable. And... um, you know, he's built a lot of his value so far this year. He's a top 30 fantasy starter, but uh, he has nine wins, and I'm not sure that the offense is enough 
to keep him uh, on, you know, that sort of pace. And he's uh, stranded 81% of his runners, which has helped the ERA. So really a two-part question, which is, am I just overreacting here? And is Stroman somebody in, in your fantasy leagues you would start, uh, you know, week in, week out? Uh, or is there a concern? And part B is, is that concern at all related to blisters, given that that's something that Stroman's been outspoken about lately? I, I will put forward to you that no pitcher in all of baseball has had more identical numbers from one year to the next 16 to 17 than Marcus Stroman is. Like, identical. Here we go. Strikeout rate. 7-3 in 16, 7-4 this year. Walks, 2-3 last year, 2-3 this year. Home runs, 0-9 last year, 1 this year. Ground ball rate, 60% last year, 60% this year. He's exactly the same guy. Batting average on balls and plays basically identical, too. Two things that are happening are strand rate. And, well, that's honestly the biggest thing is strand rate. Uh, strand rate was one of the worst in the league last year. It's one of the best in the league this year. And all of a sudden, the ERA went from 4-3-7 to 3-2-8. And also, he had nine wins all of last season. He's got nine wins already this year. He's exactly the same guy. So where, where is his real ability level? That's what we're always trying to ask in fantasy. It's in between. By fielding independent metrics, he's a high three guy as opposed to a low four or low three. He's probably somewhere in between. Do you want a high three ERA guy who strikes out, you know, seven and a half batters per nine, which is right at league average? That, that's all right. I don't know what it does for you. I think it's Stroman's reputation. I don't know you're on an island. I think Stroman's reputation uh, exceeds his, his fantasy value. He's a better, probably a better real-life pitcher than he is a fantasy pitcher. And I'm taking a guy, you know, I'd rather have probably Zach Godley than Marcus Stroman as an example. I just think there are guys who have less name value whose numbers are there that it's worth it to try to explore something else. So, honestly, I try to do that anytime I have a player like that. If I have somebody who's really sexy, I'm just trying to trade him. If I have Andrelton Simmons and, you know, there's a gigantic Angels fan in my, in my league or whatever, I'm trying to trade him. You, you just try to do whatever you can to, uh, to leverage the opportunities that you can. I think that Strowman, he's not an invaluable member of any fantasy staff. He's fine. You know, and if somebody else thinks that he's better than that, then you trade him. Yeah, well, uh, I'm really glad to get that validation, Jonah. <laughs> Next time somebody, uh, you know, uh, questions me about uh, Strowman not being a must-start guy, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll tag you. <laughs> so, yeah, there you uh, go. I, I, Appreciate the analysis. Well, uh, we're, we're pretty short on time here, so I'm going to lump two of the hitters together that I've got some concerns about. Justin Smoke, who's really having an incredible year, and Jose Bautista, uh, who's kind of sandwiched a, a, a nice first half but started and ended it uh, in, in a slump. Uh, do you worry about either of them, uh, in Smoke's case, regressing to his previous norms, and in Bautista's case, uh, declining uh, as, uh, you know, as he ages? I think that smoke regression is almost inevitable, and it's not just because, oh, he's bad before and he's good now. I, I don't always say that. Sometimes guys break out, even if it's at an older age. It's that smoke has hit more, which go wall scraper home runs than virtually any, anybody else in baseball. And last count, I think he had 10 of those. Uh, that's a fluke, right? I mean, even though we have a lively ball and everybody's uppercutting or whatever, if you're literally clearing the fence by five feet and doing it 10 times, you're probably not going to keep that up all season long. It doesn't mean it can't be good. It just means that you have to be more realistic about his home run total. If he's on pace for 42, maybe you go for 37 or something like that. So there's that. I just don't think Bautista's very good anymore. I think it's the bottom line. As a pure fantasy play, he's still got 14 home runs, and if you stay in the lineup every day and have power, you're going to hit some bombs. But he's just not a very productive hitter overall. If you look at the rest of his game, he's got more home runs than doubles. I mean, that's a little weird. Uh, not hasn't very many singles either. You know, he's going to be a batting average drain. Uh, 
you know, if he's not getting as many hits and he's just hitting home runs, he's going to be an RBI train. I just don't think there's that much there. And in a season in which everybody hits home runs, in which Brett Gardner, Brett freaking Gardner, has as many home runs as Jose Bautista, again, if somebody else thinks Jose Bautista is better, Mazel Tov, trade him away. I just don't see that much from him. <laughs> All right. Well, that was, that was definitive enough for me. <laughs> well, Jonah, we're, we're pretty much... We're pretty much out of time here, so I really appreciate you uh, cramming uh, a lot of information and, and uh, insight uh, in, into this segment. So thank you so much for, uh, for joining me, and good luck in your leagues this year. Thank you very much, Al. Thank you.